Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsperts. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me as always, Mr. Andy Molitor. It was a weekend of football. There was a okay, so maybe I'll just start with this. Out of the four games that we had, how many would you say were good? Man, even last night, I mean, it was close, but it was like just a slog of field goals. A slog of teams being conservative, some some bad quarterback play, like one maybe. I was thinking um, like one and a half. The first half of yeah. Bengals Bills was kind of fun, but then once the Bengals came out and just kept thrashing Buffalo, and it was weird to see Buffalo just never because we've seen them start games so like that, but usually they sort of build and then it becomes sort of fun and just never got off the ground. Yeah, I. Yeah, like I, I hate to say I was having fun because Mahomes got hurt, so I won't say it. But I was having fun that the Jaguars were in the game. Um, I did want them to win, and I felt like uh, a Mahomes injury. It was like, you know, hopefully he's feeling all right next week. But if he set out this game, and I know Henny's a good backup, I'm like, it wouldn't break my heart. And that's not how that went. But yeah, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the Eagles romp. I guess. I know you're from Philly. You're not the biggest Eagles guy, more of a uh, 76ers stand, but I did enjoy that just because the the people, uh, the Giants fans were a little insufferable this week. And I, I hate to pick on one fan base, but uh, there was some, there were some hot takes. And I know one or two accounts don't represent uh, New York's a fair sized city. I think um, decent sized fan base. I'm guessing one or two accounts don't represent the whole, but there were some fucking stupid tweets. Like, where we're putting Daniel Jones in the, the stratosphere of like top five quarterbacks because of a game against a bottom five defense in the playoffs where he won by a touchdown. So, uh, yeah, I did enjoy the, the giants just getting curb stomped. Um, maybe the, the scene from the Sopranos where Tony goes to the restaurant and, uh, and stomps on that guy's head. That was similar to what we saw. And it's not even like the Eagles had a great day, man. They just said, ah, you know, we're just going to run the ball. You know, Kenneth Gainwell was the leading rusher this weekend out of anybody. That's just, that's not even their lead back. He just, he got a couple of that's nice, kind of uh, yeah, he got a couple of pop-offs, like in, not, I don't want to say garbage time, garbage time, but because he, he was, he gets involved during, you know, regular run, run, but he only had 12 carries. Um, He had, a, he had that one longer run, but I mean, Sanders went 17 for 90. Hertz was averaging four yards a carry. Boston Scott had six for 32. They just kind of ran the ball. You go back and look at that score and then look at Jalen Hurts only throwing for 154. Things don't quite add up, but yeah, that was a, uh, that was definitely a beat down. And, and now we've got a new, a very unique situation where I feel like a, a lot of times, and you know what, sometimes the favorite loses straight up. It doesn't matter. You know, we saw the Eagles Vikings five years ago. I think the Vikings were like a, a touchdown favorite partner in that one. But it feels like there's always one of these uh, divisional or conference championships where there's a big favorite, and maybe not big, but bigger than this. I don't remember the last time we had both two get, that were under, a, under three. Yeah, getting under a field goal in both of these, and then if you go look at the future odds, I mean, essentially, uh, both of these, all four of these teams are rated pretty closely in that too. And I mean, home field advantage is around one point eight two points right now, so. Fact is, like they're rating all four of these teams pretty closely, especially if you look at the futures odds. And granted, you know that it's not quite fair to the Kansas City team, 
who is, you know, getting a little bit of a downgrade based on the, the health of their quarterback. But I did have a conversation with someone this morning about that, some people in the chat. And someone expanded on an idea that I was thinking about. And it was, uh, you know, we talked about with Mahomes' ankle and saying, just get through this game. The Super Bowl's three weeks away, right? Like, you're fine. And I think it was Eric, Eric, uh, our, our friend, the former lineman, brought up the Super Bowl odds for the Chiefs. And I think if you do like the Chiefs this week, you like them in the Super Bowl because essentially you're getting, you're getting like plus 260. Yeah. Uh, plus two, and anyone who does parlays no knows plus two sixty is essentially parlaying minus one ten with itself. Two point six. Uh, that's what you get with parlay math on one point nine oh nine squared. So getting that is essentially saying the Chiefs would be a dog in the Super Bowl with Mahomes getting two more weeks of rest. I know they're a favorite and it's not a big favorite and there's still a a non zero chance that Henny plays, but. If you like, I think if you like the Chiefs, you do like the Chiefs to win next week as well. Because with if they look good enough, Mahomes looks halfway decent, then he gets two weeks to heal. There's very little chance they're going to be an underdog in the Super Bowl. So the fact is, you're parlaying this with uh, next week. Uh, essentially, is what you're doing for a, a Super Bowl price. You're getting a much better price on that. So think about that if you do want to take uh, the Chiefs and Mahomes this week. I don't know what to do with the the NFC, like coin toss there. Yeah, the Eagles should be favored because they're at home, but I have those teams terribly close. Purdy Which is a witch. Purdy are we see? Yeah, Bur- Purdy's a witch. He just keeps throwing. He makes a lot of nice throws, but he did. He basically did Dak yesterday without the interceptions. Like he made a bunch of nice plays to his skill position players, but he also threw like three interceptions. It's just the team dropped them every time instead of uh, with Dak, the team catching them and making them look bad. So I don't know. Like he's great. The team's great, but sometime that's going to catch up eventually. So it, it might be an Eagles. It might be an Eagles Super Bowl again here. So who did the Eagles face last time? The Pates? Patriots? Patriots. Yep. 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 So that's not happening this time. Not a rematch, but just another NFC East team beating Tom Brady. Yeah. And that's a, f- a fun fact. I think, think it was Joe Pita who pointed that out. He said with the Bills losing, because uh, the Bills would have completed the forfecta with the Patriots obviously winning a bunch, the Jets winning, you know, a Super Bowl early on, the Dolphins winning, obviously, in the 70s. The Bills could have completed all four teams in the division having a Super Bowl title. The NFC East remains the only division that has done that. And I mean, they got that out of the way in the what in the eighties, I want to say. When was the Eagles? Was the Eagles Super Bowl? Did they have a win earlier? Did we have to wait until the? No, that was the Eagles' first Super Bowl. That was the Eagles' first Super Bowl. Never mind. So they went right, to two or three before that. Yeah, they had some early ones. They didn't get it done. So the NFC East, history's best division, guys. That's that's Probably. all I have to say about that. Um. I watched a little NBA just because the Nets, the Warriors game was on so late, but I didn't really, I didn't really bet on it this weekend. You got anything for me today? Some overs? Points, points, points? 
Yeah, no, we're back. Uh, we're back to feeling wonderful about the NBA. It's, um, you know, I always like to look at kind of the trends of where the average totals are, where the the market total is, and uh, we finally sort of crossed the point now where um, offensive efficiency has slowed down. And I think we'll see unders here for the next couple days. We'll see. Usually, it's about a week cycle. Um, we'll see. We're about two days into it. Feels like an under cycle. So two unders I do have tonight. There are seven games. Our Orlando Magic hosts the Boston Celtics. The Magic have had the Celtics number pretty much all year, but came up pretty close to the market number here around eight. Um, Dan's Atlanta Hawks visit the Chicago Bulls. I don't bet Hawks games anymore, but this sure does feel like a nice spot for the Bulls. Um, your Timberwolves visit the Houston Rockets. I'm kind of done betting Rockets games with as bad as they've been in the fourth quarter. You've got the Hornets and the Jazz. Jazz big favorites. That makes sense. And uh, Sacramento Kings uh, maybe lighting the beam tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies at home. But all those look pretty solid. Two numbers in far totals just look too high to me tonight. We'll start with Bucks Pistons um, under 236. Pretty much that number everywhere. Would actually play this down to 235. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks possibly might have Chris Middleton back tonight. Even if they do, it's been really tough uh, for them to integrate players like that. It takes a game or two to get these guys kind of back into the swing of things. Drew Holiday still remains to be beat up. And overall, this Milwaukee team has just really struggled to do much offensively. And as a result of that, we've seen them kind of slow the pace down. It's a good coaching decision. If, if you don't feel confident what your offense is doing, you don't let them running and trying to get as many plays in as possible. You want to kind of slow the game down and make sure it's in control. At the same time, the Pistons have adapted to life without Kate Cunningham and um, outside of Boyan Bogdanovich getting really hot a couple times in the last few weeks, continue to be an under team. So um, had this in the low 230s, almost 229 when I started this morning. Did tweak some stuff to get it up a little bit, but still couldn't get close to this number of 236. Again, would play anything 235 or higher. And then Spurs and Trailblazers. Um, Spurs on the road here, which really makes a big difference for this team. Um, they play much slower, uh, tend to just get crushed, honestly, when they're on the road here. And Portland has really struggled offensively, even with Damian Lillard back, um, just not really putting it together. You know, one of the teams that is leading this drive back down in offensive efficiency, their shooting numbers are down, really struggling to get good looks here. And again, have responded kind of at home to playing some slower games. Um, had a couple overs here against Dow the the Dallas Mavericks, which I think are kind of skewing this a little bit and giving us some value. Had this one in the mid-230s myself, so anything 240 or higher there. It's going to be under 236, uh, and again, 235 or higher, and then under 241 in Spurs Trailblazers, and hopefully an underful night, at least for us. You know what's less fun than betting unders? Betting on some of the worst teams in college basketball. And I didn't even I bet love this. I, we're, I really on, pretty... we're really on brand today. Yeah, it took it took it easy on Sunday, mostly because I was nervous about my Niners, hashtag our Niners. I do just love that team. It's just fun. I wish they'd have been a little more fun on offense yesterday. But uh, speaking of some horrible, horrible offenses, you know what? Speaking of the 49ers, Mississippi Valley State is where Jerry Rice went to school. That is a that is a connection. That's I, a good segue. I, I am, yeah. One of the greatest of all time. Went to a, a swack school, one of our HBSUs, down there in Itabena, Mississippi, and they'll be hosting a game. This is a this is not a good team, but uh, nobody in the swack is. And the main my main takeaway is from Mississippi State this year is, yeah, I mean, yeah, they played Baylor and they lost by seventy points. I think it was like seventy points. Like, yeah, it's not a team that should be playing Baylor and. Missouri and things like that, but that's what you do. You put teams like this in your schedule. They've had an incredibly non-con hard non-conference schedule as is customary, but 
once they got to conference play, they haven't looked horrible. Now, that, by horrible, I mean they're one and six, but they haven't gotten these games where they've gotten just shellacked by other teams in the slack. They even beat Texas Southern, which is you know not not a great win, but you got a win there. They had a one point loss to Florida A and M, which God, that's a winnable game maybe at home. Uh, that's that's one we should be marking down if they play them again, maybe in the tournament, maybe once we get to tournament time, but. A lot of six, seven, you know, four-point loss to Grambling at home on Saturday. I just don't understand why this number is quite this big in a home game. They've been able to keep it close. They get to the line quite a bit, and they make their free throws at a decent enough clip. They're they're not the worst offense. They're not the uh, they're not the worst offense in the conference right now. So I like this quite a bit. At ten, I make it like seven and a half. And again, this is. Take it easy on these. You know who you're betting on. This is this is the Delta Devils guy. This is this is not a good one. And it's funny I brought up Florida AM because that is a that's the other team. They're also a really, really rough offense. This is a, a worse offense than the Delta Devils. They're they're another spot where they're taking on a pretty bad Jackson State team. Uh, they've had a bunch of you know, like Southern and Grambling weren't asked. Actually, they were within five of Grambling as well. Grambling's one of the better teams in the conference. They've had a bunch of these games too, where they've kept it close against other, you know, swack schools with a, a close, like I said, a close loss against Grambling. They beat Mississippi Valley State. They only lost by 10 on the road to Alcorn, which is one of the better teams in the conference. So getting over a, almost two touchdowns here, 12 and a half with the Rattlers. Not only that, but great mascot day. The Rattlers which is like, a, I think it's just the snake is what the, the logo is. And then getting the Delta Devils, which is just a really cool one too. It sucks. Yeah, it sucks that the Delta Devils, um, yeah, it does suck that the Delta Devils mascot is wasted on such a bad team because they're just never good. Yeah, they're 355th. That's a long way from the bottom, Dan. You know, there's like the 300. How many are there? I think it's 363 this year. It changes every year. Like every year we, we, it seems like we gain a couple teams and we lose, we lose one or two, but we've, it seems like over the last few years, we've gained more than we've lost. It creeps up slowly. One day, I think we'll be at 400. Who knows? Dream big NCAA. Um, Speaking of big dreams, my Fruvatova dream died. I thought she played incredibly well. Uh, in a big spot, that was a tough. That was a tough ask, and she was going to have a bigger ask in front of her with the the new tournament favorite in Arena Sabalenka at two to one at a lot of books. As we get towards the quarterfinals in both sides of the Australian Open draw, and you've got uh, you've got a parlay for me. I'm fucking, I know. I mean, your, your last story. parlay hit. I'm, I'm going to have to do it. No big stinky dogs that, that I like here and. You know, it's it's always tough. As much as I love Grand Slam tennis, it's Monday, Andy, and we have four matches for the Australian yeah. Open here. Um, again, we're down to the quarterfinals. Fruvertova, um, probably our biggest underdog, just kind of fell apart. Had a break lead there in the third set and just couldn't hold it together. A couple double faults, which is really costly. But, yeah, I mean, Zabalenka, um, as much as I was really hoping that I'd have to make Drew apologize for laughing at my love of Fruvertova on the deep dive on Saturday or whatever that was, um, wasn't able to get it done. And yeah, Drew's been all over Sabalenka. She looks spectacular. Um, I was pretty confident, honestly, in Benchit. She was our last outright going into last night. Looked solid in the first set, had a lead, yeah. served for the set, and just 
Um, Sabalenka did what we haven't seen her do over the past couple of years, really calm herself down, start to get back to playing her game. She wasn't yelling at herself or talking to, you know, whoever's in the stands. I mean, really got it together and some playing fantastic tennis. And as I look at these last four matches, it's hard to pick out, you know, the totals look all just about right to me. The first set totals look pretty solid. Um, Sabalenka's minus 400 over Donna Vekic, pretty much where I right, right came out with it. Um, didn't use Sabalenka in anything, but there might even be a touch of value on her at minus 400. I don't know. We'll see what Vekic has. I mean, she has the ability to raise her game. This could be an interesting matchup for Sabs. And then um, the only other match I didn't do anything with, Elena Rybakina goes up against Elena Ostapenko. Um, Rybakina was fantastic. Right now. Either uh, right. right, Rybakina, you want to bet her, played a great match against Iga Swiatek. Um, you know, beat her as comfortably as anybody has in a long time here. But Elena Ostapenko is doing Elena Ostapenko things. She is red hot, playing fantastic tennis, um, doing hilarious post-match interviews. Uh, she yeah. is just absolutely on one. So you can't go against her. But the other two matches, I really like the favorites here. And I, I'm surprised the market doesn't have them as bigger favorites. I was curious what you make your Plishkova number because I did take in some of the Lynette Caroline Gar Garcia match. And that was just like, like, I don't know, you know, you can't say any player on tour, but most decent players on tour would have beat Carolyn Garcia that day where she just decided like, I'm going to continue to do everything that I've been doing wrong. That's made this match go wrong for me. And I'm going to do it until the end of the match. Like she is, She's just a blockhead for some reason. Like she just kept doing the same things over and over. And she's a better tennis player than that. I don't rate Lynette as high as uh, as where she's gotten this far in this tournament. I guess. Yeah, Lynette is. Um, she doesn't make any mistakes. If you're going to beat yourself, Mac and Lynette is happy to stand there and let you do it. That's exactly what we saw. Caroline Garcia went back to being kind of just pig-headed it's it's kind of what i talked about with sabalenka she used to be the same way she'd just be standing up there mm -hmm. making the same mistakes over and over again and that's kind of what we saw from garcia but yeah pliskova here the second piece in my parlay she goes up against magda lynette i'm looking at a price of pliskova i mean it was minus 165 when i put it in here i'm seeing minus 170 places i have this like minus 210 um Pliskova is playing fantastic tennis, generally plays well down under. These are perfect courts for her. And I know head-to-head -head isn't the most indicative or best thing to look at in tennis, but Pliskova is 7-2 lifetime against Magda Lynette. The two losses came in a 2012 ITF tournament, Lynette beat her in three sets, and then the Billie Jean King Cup where Pliskova doesn't really care or play solid tennis. I mean, all the other matches are pretty dominant. Pliskova wins here at big tournaments, and I see no reason that Pliskova given the form she's in, doesn't comfortably take care of Lynette here. So I'm going to take her and put her together with Jesse Pagula, who is minus 270 over Azarenka. And, um, you know, Azarenka, as much as she did beat Lin Zhu, that is not as difficult as that match should have been. Um, Azarenka here has just been really lucky. I mean, not entirely lucky. She's playing much better tennis than I think I expected from her this fortnight. Um, but as you look at her last couple wins, Madison Keys thrashes her in the first set and then just checks out. Um, absolutely bizarre match. Lin Zhu takes her to three sets, and um, Zhu had chances to win that match in the third set. It was not really um, as close as it should have been with as good as Azarenka should be playing. And again, have this closer to minus 325, so the 260, 270 you're seeing out there in the market on Pagula looks like some value here. So I'll put the two of them together. It gives me plus 125. One of them tonight, one of them tomorrow, so that'll carry us over for a little bit of interest. Yeah. I did, I did play one, and this isn't strictly my bet i like it when someone i trust aligns with me i thought the quarter number was short 
And it's funny. I went to find what Kelly actually said about it on his, and he says the Hachinoff fade continues. Bankruptcy awaits. That's our friend, big 10 Watto. I, I can bet on Corda. I, I can fade Hatchinoff because I haven't done it yet. Like the fact that he's uh, not, he would never Martin Gale, but the fact that he's bet against Hatchinoff a couple times and lost money, it, it doesn't affect me because I think the quarter number's short. I don't rate Hatchinoff as far. I, I think this should be a little bigger favorite, and maybe only because I've actually watched a couple quarter matches and I like how he's playing. But yeah, the men's side is super weird. Like we have a Ben Shelton Tommy Paul match to decide somebody who's going a lot deeper than I expected. And then the other two are just massive favorites with Sitsipas and Djokovic taking on a uh, Rublev and Laheka. Laheka? I'm not Rublev even sure. Fun. Ru- Ru- yeah, I do miss Rublev being fun. It's funny. I was going to say Hatchinoff, I rate us. He's still my third Russian and I, I'd still put him behind Rublev most places. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong in that regard, but I did put a little bit on Seabass Corda. Uh, minus one twenty-five ish, somewhere in there. So, yeah, looking for a, looking for a little men's uh, men's tennis section. I have no idea what time these are. I'm guessing that's probably first up tonight. 10 PM so, Eastern. Yeah, looking like that's one I might actually take in before I go to bed. It's nice to fall asleep to the sound of tennis. It is, and that's that's it. Um, I will probably shit. I should have had some golf today. A, a reminder, a final reminder before we go. It is Conference Championship Sunday, one of the biggest Sundays in the NFL oh. because, because the teams that win will go to the Super Bowl. So the, the PGA, obviously nobody saw Rom win last week. They have a tournament that starts Wednesday and goes through Saturday, so they don't have a final round at the Farmers going against the NFL. So it's awesome. Final round golf on Saturday. But Get your bets in, get your one and dones, get your DFS done a little earlier. And somebody in the chat says it's a perfect choke spot for Sitspas. They all are. And that guy can that guy can go mental at any given point. But yeah, I don't know much about uh, Laheka, so I'll I'll trust you on that one. I'm not using either of those in like parlays or anything at this point. And if I had to pick one of those two to throw into a big favorite parlay, it would certainly not be Stefanos. So I'm kind of with you there, and yeah, we'll catch you guys tomorrow for some some more gambling.